gather up your best regalia. Welcome to Fashion History with American Duchess, your podcast home for all things related to costuming, sewing, and costume history. We want to give a shout out to Dandy Wellington for his generosity in letting us use his music, Greenhouse Stomp, in each episode. If you like his music, you can find Dandy on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes, as well as jazzing up the streets of New York City almost every night. All right, now let's get on with the show. All right, y'all, we are here with Robin Erica, um, Robin Calvert, I should say. Cal- Calvert? Dr. Robin Calvert. But Dr. I love it when people Robin say it Calvert. French. Calvert. I was saying Calvert because I couldn't remember how you pronounced it. Just Calvert. And she is an expert in artistic dress. She's written her PhD over the wonderful genius that is Margaret MacDonald, and she's currently a professor at the Glasgow School of Art. Researcher. Researcher (laughs) means something totally different in the UK. So if my colleagues heard that, they'd be like, she's getting a bit Well, I've butchered this. Um, but we're here today to talk to Robin about about her focus of study um, here at the Glasgow School of Art Archives at the Whiskey Bond in yep. Glasgow. Um, we are surrounded by cool such a, stuff. So much cool stuff. So much cool stuff. Um, and it is just, it's really awesome to be here. And of course, I'm having my own moment. I actually have known, I've known you now for 10 years. Uh, mm-hmm. She was doing, Robin was doing her PhD when I was doing my master's at Glasgow. Yeah. So. And I did the master's that you did the year yes. before you did it. Yes. So I had just, I just yeah, gone through that. And then yeah. we both graduated from Indiana University. So we both had that like immediate, like, oh, oh my gosh, are you? Are you? <laughs> Fist blades. <laughs> so, so As if we care about sports at I all. Know, right? yeah. <laughs> we are also doing a video of this because mm-hmm. we're talking about um, objects today, yes. among other things. We wanted to be able to show you those. So we're going to have some still photography and also mm-hmm. video. So it's sort of like a big media mashup. Yes. So if you're only listening to the podcast, head on over to our YouTube channel and also the blog, AmericanDuchess.com. Yes. Blog.AmericanDuchess.com <laughs> to check out um, these beautiful objects that yes. we are talking about. And today. we'll have links and everything in the description below. So you'll be set to go. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. All right, Robin. Let's get into it. Okay. What do you want to know? So, <laughs> so do you want to start with Margaret McIntosh or artistic dress? Well, let's define artistic dress first yes. for those that yeah. Are, yeah okay. An aesthetic so, versus yeah, and actually, aesthetic. it's all kind of yeah. It's all it all is kind of mixed up anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess what I could say is, uh, uh, yeah. So Charles Rennie McIntosh, I'll start there very quickly. Charles Rennie McIntosh, who's this lovely guy here, which mm-hmm. we can show better images later, yes. um, is a very important uh, designer, artist, and architect from Glasgow. He's he's quite famous if you're into that kind of stuff, yes. but a lot of people don't necessarily know who he is. Mm-hmm. Margaret MacDonald McIntosh was his wife and artistic partner. Mm-hmm. And I did come to Glasgow to study them. Originally, I was really into their tea rooms, which we're going to yes. check out later, yes. so that's great. Um, have some nice high tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I got really fascinated by the fact that in, in a lot of McIntosh's photographs, he had this big floppy tie, floppy yes. bow tie on, and that Margaret was making her own clothes as well, using this really amazing kind of uh, approach to embroidery. It's, it's what we call it Glasgow style, and we've mm-hmm. got some examples yes. of it out to show it's you. It's beautiful. So um, I was like, wow, that's really interesting that they're kind of dressing in this sort of, I don't know, different artistic uh, bohemian way to express this sort of creative mm-hmm. identity. Um, you know, did other artists do that too? And kind of what years are we in? So uh, we are in the late 1890s mm-hmm. in Glasgow with Macintosh. Um, 
it's they they actually got married in 1900 but they met around 1892 okay. um, at the art school as students at the art school actually I know it is I know and we wish we knew more about the circumstances yeah. of their meeting they were probably introduced by the headmaster Francis Newbury who's mm-hmm. we, we don't spend enough I think time giving kudos to Newbury for being the kind of artistic leader of mm-hmm. all of this but um, in any case, they met probably as students, and we think Newbury saw that they were sort of similar in their interests and introduced mm-hmm. them. Um, as well, Margaret's sister Frances met Macintosh's friend, um, James McNair. Mm. And so Frances married McNair in 1899, and Margaret married Charles in 1900. And then they had this wonderful artistic pod yeah they've they've come to be called the four they were probably called that around that time too because their work was Mm -hmm. really quite similar in 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 look and approach but also because they were close-knit group but they were also part of a wider circle of friends Mm -hmm. um at glasgow school of art i'm realizing you said start with artistic dress and i've gone totally the other way (laughs) we will get there it's already fascinating i'm like tell me more (laughs) so they were part of the circle of friends um at glasgow school of art who worked together and lived together. No, sorry, not, well actually no, some of the sisters particularly, they did live together, mm-hmm. but they would go out. Um, I have this great picture here as well that has them out in the in Ayrshire, um, mm-hmm. which is just down southwest of here. And uh, they would go out and sketch together okay. in a sketching club. And um, this photo it has them all, I'll describe it slightly since we're mm-hmm. podcasting, has them all lined up kind of sitting by a fence. But what's fun is they're just like kind of waving at the camera and you'll see not just Macintosh, but some of the other ones have these like floppy ties yeah. that are spread over, I know, spread over the rail. <laughs> and then that's Frances McNair, her, her, um, or at the time she's still Frances McDonald, Herbert McNair, and Margaret McDonald. And they're all giving us thumbs up. Like, that's hey, so we're having a great time. Um, <laughs> And uh, that's interesting too because I think I know they put their collar over. And his that's right. He's got his floppy tie. Just so they're all being a bit silly. Mm -hmm. And what I quite like about it is the idea. I mean, they're they're just friends. They're art art school kids having a good time. Yeah, which is the same thing that happens today with the students I I teach. Yeah, yeah, we were all art that. school kids having a good time. So, where would I want? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's it. I'm a free spirit. That's Express it. Express myself. Well, be ties for everyone. You've, so you've just described artistic dress, ladies. Yes. Well done. <laughs> so artistic dress. Actually, now we can rewind, and I don't have pictures or things here because mm-hmm. so our collection and that we have here at GSA, we're, we're uh, you know we're in archives and collections, as you said, mm-hmm. and it's based on things related to the school yeah so this stuff is later mm-hmm. but i'll i'll uh, share some pictures with mm-hmm. you for for all your stuff later we do have a dress to look at but artistic dress really actually starts mm-hmm. approximately 50 years before that yeah and it, it kind of has its roots in pre-raphaelitism yes so we've got our Rossetti mm-hmm. and in Holman Hunt and all of that kind of all thing. All the desperate romantics. Well, yes. they are. And oh, that <laughs> show. Don't get me started yeah, on that show. I was here. I know. <laughs> and I was yelling at the television a lot of the time, like, Elizabeth Siddle would not be walking through the streets of London with her hair down. Stop it. <laughs> and that's actually an interesting, um, when I lecture on this, it's kind of an interesting thing about how we approach costume in film and television mm-hmm. versus the reality because... 
I absolutely, sorry if anyone is listening, but I hated the costumes in the television program. I don't know if a lot of people in America No, they it. won't it's have seen it. It's, it's, it's on Amazon Prime now. I rewatched it as for like shits and giggles. And yeah. I was like, oh, look at Adrian. What's his face? Look at Paul Oh, well, it's, worth, it's worth yeah. it for Adrian Turner being Rossetti yeah. for sure. But what they did to describe really quickly is for, so Elizabeth Siddle was Rossetti's wife. Mm-hmm. She was his muse. Um, if you're not spoiler familiar, alert. spoiler <laughs> alert, if you're not familiar, she's the person who posed for Malay's Ophelia, which mm-hmm. is on like every dorm room wall. Yeah. Um, and she, she does die and it's quite tragic and it's a very interesting story worth a Google if you don't know. Mm-hmm. But they had her walking through London with her hair down and yeah, she's wearing like this hair. tunic and skirt like she bought at Camden Market. Yeah. And it, and it was horrible because she didn't, <laughs> she didn't actually do that. Mm-hmm. And um, she was a millinery apprentice. She was. So, yeah. so what's interesting about it is they make these choices, and they also have like Hunt dressed like a beatnik, like he's mm-hmm. total a hipster. Yeah. And what they're doing is they're they're telling the audience in a way that they can understand yeah. that yeah. they're bohemian, they're radical, they're different. Yeah. Um. But but actually. Um, so Elizabeth Siddle, for example, as you say, she 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 was a milliner. She worked in a dress shop. That's how she was discovered as one of the stunners, mm-hmm. one of the models that modeled for them. Um, and a lot of the sort of literature about her that was written about artistic dress, first of all, it's only written, it was only written mostly in art history. So mm-hmm. like yeah. so much of dress history, yeah. it's sort of this tangential, oh, and look, aren't they dressed funny? Yeah. You know. But um, she would actually wear typical Victorian clothing in public. The only photographs, formal photographs we have of her, she's in her crinoline, she's mm-hmm. in her corset. Mm-hmm. But in all the studio drawings Rosetti made of her, she's not wearing supportive undergarments. Let's mm-hmm. call them. And you guys, <gasps> you uh, yeah, you guys are way are way better. In fact, I've gone. I know I've gone to Abby asking <laughs> questions like, could they really not lift their arms up in these Victorian dresses? Were they really that tight? Because like, no, it's like one of, fine. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the arguments arguments is that there was no freedom of movement in Victorian yeah. gowns. And to some extent, it is true. differently. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you are strapped in. It's a comfortable strapping in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Locked and loaded is how yeah. I like to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. But you do have range of motion, but mm-hmm. can you do push-ups in a Victorian dress? Technically, yes. Yeah. But um, do you want to? Comfortably, probably and, not. And they wouldn't really be doing <laughs> no, that exactly. anyway. Well, so. it goes into the whole etiquette thing, too, because about raising your hands above your head. It's like you can't do that, especially if your stuff is cut well. But should you, as a lady, do yeah, that? Yeah. Etiquette-wise... Yeah. Yeah, not, not really, not really. Not really. Kosher. So, so, so what's interesting about that? It's okay. It's a working archive. Yeah, <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. So, what's interesting about that is I, I was quite intrigued because there's a mythology mm-hmm. about the Raphaelites that end up. I, I always have a hard time saying it when I go fast. Pre-Raphaelites. There's a mythology about the way they. Um, did they go about in public, mm-hmm. sort of yeah. in these yeah, things? Yeah. So. Getting back to Lizzie Siddle, there's this series of drawings that Rossetti's made of her in the studio. Mm-hmm. He makes them of his other models, too. And they are very interested in modeling costume, right? Mm-hmm. They, yeah. They're interested in drapery mm-hmm. and how fabric falls. Yeah. So they're not wearing corsets and crinolines when no. they're being sketched. And then there seems to be this, for a while, I think, this assumption that follows of, oh, well, that's how they dressed. Yeah. Not really thinking through the fact that they were modeling when they were when they were sketched in their yeah. sketches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so pre-Raphaelite dress, uh, I've sort of questioned whether that was ever really a thing. Yeah. Um, it was actually used as a term in the 19th century. Mm -hmm. In fact, 
part. So, so what ends up happening for me is I thought, what is this artistic dress thing? Is it, how is it different from aesthetic dress? Is it the mm-hmm. same thing? And what about dress reform? Yeah. What about, you all know, these different things. yeah. What about the it's rational dress society? All this stuff gets all mixed up and jumbled. So what I was trying to do was write a chronology of artistic dress that kind mm-hmm. of sorted out what was what, what? Yeah, it kind of it's a terminology thing. Probably like five people in the world care. Like that it's, it's still but, I care. Yeah. Thank you. But, I mean, six like, even, even I am like, wait, aesthetic dress and artistic dress, I know they're different, but if you were but like, how? Abby, what's different? I'm like, oh, zip, I, yeah, zip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I think and I mean probably there's people out there who would argue with me saying, Robin, you're being ridiculous, mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing. I so I in the end I sort of thought of artistic dress as this umbrella term mm-hmm. of like how people who wanted to express a creative artistic identity or identified with artistic social circles would wear alternative forms of dress but sometimes it was actually just about how they styled yeah. regular Victorian clothes. That makes so sense. so aesthetic dress is slightly different in that in, in a lot of what I've observed, I find, and that happens a little bit later in the mm-hmm. 1880s, it's associated with aestheticism, which is yeah. a design movement yes. and, a, an, and a, an artistic movement. Mm-hmm. And it, um, I think aesthetic dress is actually uh, garments that are made to look a certain way to be worn in public. Okay. okay. So, so if we're going to piece this out, getting specifically to clothing, mm-hmm. um, early artistic dress for women was I think a lot about putting on your Victorian gown, but maybe not wearing a corset or not wearing your crinoline with it, belting it up. Maybe you've made some cool kind of embroidered belt. There's great photos of Jane Morris, who's mm-hmm. William Morris's wife, mm. who Rosetti was also in love with. Again, Google it. Lots, <laughs> there's lots of drama and and and, and, and intrigue and romance, but. Um, She's she's been styled. She's styling this this blue this blue silk gown, and we know it's blue silk gown because Rossetti painted her in a painting called the blue silk gown. Oh, thank you, Rossetti. <laughs> Thanks, Rossetti. Um, but in so in and in the painting, it's very loose and mm-hmm. clingy. In the photographs, it's very loose and clingy. But then there's a photograph of her holding her baby May, mm-hmm. and she's in a crinoline because that's a formal portrait. Mm. So, you know, they're 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 doing interesting things. It's like I remember in the 80s when I was a teenager and I wanted to have a bubble skirt, I took my long prairie skirt and safety pinned it up. Oh, yeah. Because, and then people thought fashion. I was a weird kid, but yeah, you know, <laughs> was, it, that was making it fashion. And so you kind of do a, a sort of DIY thing yeah, yeah. to to Bring do this a little few of the elements in. Yeah. Uh, we see this today with people who are uh, interested in vintage dress, but exactly. they don't—they don't go like full hog on the yeah. vintage. They Which is kind of like where I go. Yeah, yeah. like you I like steer a that way. Influence, yeah, of this or something, that. Something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You have little little nods a little to things. Embroidery there, or a little some yeah. Or this actually speaks very well to what we were talking about just amongst the two of us the other day about putting personality in clothing. You know, we we have a hard time as modern people. We're so about individuality and personality, but we forget. The people in the past also had very strong personalities. Yeah. Like, we wouldn't have the art that we have if people were all, you know, vanilla. That's right. That's right. So, it, so it, that's what makes it interesting is, like, this artistic dress, what you're talking about, is just people expressing trying, themselves. Expressing themselves. Expressing themselves. Yeah. Within and the confines of society there's and what's two, normal. There's two interesting things that, about mm-hmm. that. I think you're exactly right. Um, one is that for artists, and particularly for women artists, mm-hmm. this was a really inexpensive way mm-hmm. to make 
fashionable objects because they could do things to it themselves. They can embroider things. Mm -hmm. Like we don't think about going out. I know some pe amazing people do, and I wish I did this more, where you go out and you buy your whatever fast fashion ASOS yeah. dress, but then you do stuff to it. We don't think yeah. about doing stuff no, to our clothes. I mean, yeah, no. And and they did that, and, but they mm -hmm. made their own clothes or whether they purchased their own clothes, they did things with their clothes. Mm -hmm. For men, I should say it was about accessorizing. It was yeah. about wearing that floppy tie or a Turkish cap or, mm -hmm. a, or a velvet smoking jacket sort yeah. of thing. Um, you did get into then more clothing that was actually made to look this way, though, and that's where aestheticism starts to come in. You mm -hmm. get into Oscar Wilde mm -hmm. and the aesthetic suit and designers like Walter Crane and Henry Holiday. Um, William Morris to some extent, but yeah. he's actually what, much less connected to fashion than I yeah. think a lot of people think, except for textiles, of course. Yes. Um, and then, um, and then for women, they have gowns that are made up with these amazing sack back and Watteau pleats and yes. all the things that you guys love, yeah. but in a 19th century and, and also there's, there's like amazing examples of dresses often in paintings where they'll do things like they'll have a, a beautiful long Watteau train mm -hmm. happening. And then they'll have like a loop on the skirt that's like a button closure. Mm -hmm. That's only function is to take part of the train and mm -hmm. loop it up again. Yeah. So it's just only to have more draping going yeah. on. It's not, it doesn't yeah. actually work to pick up the train mm -hmm. so you can walk. It's just to make it look even more drapey. Drapey, so exactly. A, an example of then life imitating art. Yes. <laughs> And the, the medieval influences absolutely. and all of that kind of artistic communities. Absolutely. And it all starts mixing up because I think the other thing, which I've, I've not to get too like boring about the research, but... This is not boring. This okay. is Well, the nice thing about... So, so the... This idea that the women associated with pre-Raphaelitism somehow started a, a, a fashion mm -hmm. movement yeah. is problematic because they weren't in a societal position to do it. Yeah. But Somebody there were women who were, and particularly a really fascinating group of women called the Paddle Sisters, um, who were associated with Holland Park, a very wealthy area, mm -hmm. and they were of Anglo-Indian descent, and they were all known to be great beauties, and they mm -hmm. hung out with Disraeli and Tennyson and all the artists and all yes. the aristocrats. One of them became a countess. Importantly, one of them is the photographer, Julia Margaret Cameron. <gasps> oh! Yeah. yeah. And one of them is the grandmother of Virginia Woolf and Vanessa Bell. Yeah. So that whole kind of bohemian artistic lineage. Yeah, no big deal. It's going to take a portrait of, of, of uh, Darwin. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so, so they, but they would, there's great quotes about them. You'll love this. Um, sitting around the house, I almost have the camera, sitting around the house um, in an orgy of dressmaking. <laughs> nice. um, they would take apart their clothes and put them back together again in interesting yeah. ways, speaking in Hindu Stani, because um, oh, wow. they were all raised in Calcutta. So, so there's this exoticism too that oh, comes in. Yeah. There's there's also loads. I mean, we do, can't even get into it, but there's loads of interesting things about colonialism and mm -hmm. how you know things were appropriated, whether it was Indian textile or a Japanese kimono mm -hmm. or a Chinese robe or yeah. all this stuff just gets all mix, mixed up, all purchased 
at liberties mm -hmm. and and you know thrown on to look creative so it was a thing for a lot of aristocrats as well yeah. and there's the, like the countess of carlisle liked to dress like this mm -hmm. um the honorable mrs percy Wyndham would i think paint up her her draperies and things like that and then watts would paint her in these dresses and so 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 that's i think where it becomes more of a kind of fashion movement yeah um and it's definitely tied in with aestheticism but then just to fast forward towards the end of the century we start getting it as a more kind of socio-political thing where it gets mixed up with reform dress mm. and it's about that whole beautiful and useful because mm -hmm. in the dress reform movement you know there's all this kind of um radical remaking of clothing for you know bicycling and activity yeah. and women and freedom of movement and, and pantaloons yeah. and all this stuff but it wasn't necessarily uh pretty yeah <laughs> some of the costumes were a bit like oh yeah and one of the ideas that some artists would get together and there's a group they formed called the healthy and artistic dress union they wanted to make clothes that were beautiful and useful mm -hmm. that were um that that followed these sort of tenets that were put forward about freedom of movement and an actual even natural fabrics and natural colors they were mm -hmm. really opposed to aniline dyes they didn't like um the corset making the body look look unnatural mm -hmm. um but also about um making sure that it didn't stray too far from your typical fashion that it yeah. still looked fashionable yeah so all of this stuff ends up kind of getting disseminated through art school culture and i won't there's a whole history of art schools in britain mm -hmm. which i won't but the long and the short of it is that from the great exhibition and the foundation of the south kensington museum mm -hmm. which is now the vna which we mm -hmm. all love um art schools were formed all over britain yeah. and curriculum was disseminated and so a lot of these people would go around and speak at different art schools and there's a culture of art schools that starts yeah. to happen so here in glasgow was one of the important art schools of, of the time and um and people like william morris and walter crayon came and gave lectures they were friends with newbury so this sort this influence kind of trickles out through art schools so here in Glasgow, we have a lot of the students who are starting to make up their own clothes and make up their own um, things to embellish clothes. Mm -hmm. So with that, we could look at a few of the things okay. here on the table. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Well, I, we've got a couple collars yes. to look at. Um, should I just point, describe what we've got Let's first? Or, and, then we, do and some... then we can do some looking. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I would have asked them to take out today are a couple of um, embroidered collars. So making collars was one way to to zhuzh up. Absolutely. A, a lovely. I really want to start doing this again. Yeah. Can we start this as a thing? I support this. this. Um, I'd like to start this as, soon as, as a I thing. I saw this when I walked in, I'm like, I'll have me one of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're I sort of that. like, because they can be warming. I mean, we are in Scotland, and you'll see both yeah. of these are actually uh, velvet based, I think. Yeah, some, yeah. One of them has fur, even. Yeah. But it's just the kind of thing that you just, you put, it's a collar for yeah. your dress or for your shirt with your skirt or whatever. But then they're really richly embroidered. Um, the materials where where the fabric might be a, a nicer material like a silk or a velvet and and then but then that's just you know embroidery yarn and beadwork. Yeah. But we're and, talking so we're talking eighteen nineties, nineteen hundreds with these collars, correct? Yeah, in fact the collars I have out today I think are post nineteen hundred. I think they're about nineteen oh four or so. Which is, which is excellent because that's that's where I was thinking visually is that you know, you have your basic blouse, your shirt waist, you know, it yeah. might be very simple and straightforward. You have your basic skirt, you might have a belt on but then you pop that collar on and you go from looking like just an everyday person That's in right. your normal uniform 
and bam, you are instantly identified yeah. as an artist. You are. And You're creative. actually, and particularly here in Glasgow, the yeah. collars seem to be, I mean, I'm sure they happened elsewhere, but when you see an embroidered collar in a collection mm -hmm. at the V&A, for example, it's often by like Anne Macbeth, yeah. who was one, the head of the embroidery here at Glasgow School. Well, mm -hmm. well actually it was um, Jesse Newbury who was Frances Newbery's wife, mm -hmm. and Anne Macbeth was her student. But Anne Macbeth then becomes very famous for this, and she writes yeah. uh, books on needlework and all kinds of things. And so one of the pieces we have is a student of Anne Macbeth. Okay. Um, I think our Anne Macbeth collars are maybe on tour or something, oh, okay. and, they're, and they're in other collections. But... Um, uh, but it, so it, anyway, these collars are very much associated with Glasgow too, I think. Um, so you go walking around the street in the collar, you go, oh, that's one of those art students, you know, and there was kind of a, there was a bit of a sort of oh, disparaging, I think. And there's, you know, they were often called, um, particularly the four were referred to as the spook school sometimes because <laughs> their, which their, their work looked ghoulish because they were very influenced by Aubrey Beardsley. Yeah. And so there's a lot of elongated figures yes. and there were, there were commentaries their work, their work looks like came came from the grave, but that's probably why we like it. Like for me, yeah, it yeah. appeals to the goth in me. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting to talk about this because I went to art school. Yeah. I went to art school in the states, but we in the animation department definitely had a uniform, mm -hmm. and it involved we all dressed the same, and it mm -hmm. involved like Chuck Taylor shoes, mm -hmm. a certain cut of jeans, and like all these little sweatshirts, sort of hoodie yeah. sweatshirts that were black with our club logo on it. Yeah, and you could identify. Uh, our club is called Shrunken Headman. That's a whole other story in itself. You can <laughs> identify like a good start. an SHM <laughs> student from across campus because yeah. it was just male, female. It was all this particular look, and it's touching to me that it goes yeah. so far back in time. Yeah. And at I at IU in the art school uh, in the art department, I should say, because it wasn't you know school of fine art. Yeah, school yeah. of fine art. It's yeah. a university, so yeah. there you go. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I was art history. I wasn't fine arts. I wasn't me making. Too. I was studying. Yes, exactly. Except 10 years before her, yeah. whatever, but, but we did the same thing. everyone was wearing, at that time, like, bandanas or, like, triangular scarves, and you only saw it really... In the art school. In the art school. Yeah. And I totally picked that up, and I even brought it, like, to Glasgow. I was still wearing those, like, very triangular, like, <laughs> scarves, like, here in grad school, but that was... Like talking yeah. about, like, yeah, that's absolutely something you saw at the Hope School of Art. It was not something oh, that you Hope, saw. Henry Hope School yeah. of Art. Oh, it was not something you saw times. at the Kelly School of Business. It was no. at the art school. <laughs> See, in my day at Henry Hope, we were wearing flannel. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing the grunge thing mixed with our docs and yeah. probably still are, actually. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, and that was a bit of a. When yeah. you, all of the listeners out there and watchers out there, think of. What does the art student of today look like? Yeah. And you'll realize there is this and aesthetic. It's, there's an aesthetic. It's it's specific to it could be regional or it could mm -hmm. be a specific school. Yeah. But then it does sort of filter out into yeah. Well, and I would creative. say it's 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 a creative look. Yeah. Like because yes. you can you can actually um, probably it's, it's wider than an art school. It could be it could be your theater kid. Yeah. It could be your yeah theater kid. You know, it could, yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, it could be. Um, but it's that idea of looking creative. But you know what I do think is interesting is I think a lot of this stuff has. Uh, what do I want to say? It's more. It's 
it's more broadly acceptable today to have what we would might have considered an art school look to have loads of tattoos or to yeah. you know ha- to color your hair a different color mm-hmm. or things that that seemed you know outliers are now much more the norm oh, totally right. yeah. so so a lot of my students here at Glasgow School of Art and I do teach our fashion and textile students have said in the last few years they feel like they don't have an identifying subculture they should start dressing in wear those collars I know the they should they need the collars I might suggest that I did have a group of students say that they felt like grunge was the last true subculture and I was like that's really interesting but look back in 20 years and have a look and see what to it's think like grunge isn't really a subculture. grunge is pretty mainstream well it was yeah, it was really yeah. well I said yeah I bought my flannels at the gap yeah. so I mean it was really mainstream but but for them the idea of like this sort of anti-establishment yeah. they feel like it with with social media it's just like you can't it's find it it's place. all over the place so it's yeah. kind of interesting but yeah I mean I, I love that you're I love the I love the work you guys do but yeah, I love yeah. the idea too that that we're taking fashion more seriously in terms of mm-hmm. thinking about its relationship to our identity and how we express ourselves that's mm-hmm. what got me into thinking about artistic dress yeah absolutely. I thought I thought actually this happened and it's sort of as in art history is like oh isn't that funny yeah. but it was actually a really important way for a culture to kind of come together in a time that obviously didn't have social media. Although yeah. I wish Oscar Wilde and Whistler on Twitter would have been oh my gosh. amazing. Oh. Like I wish someone, someone needs, to, fa- start, someone needs like, to fake that account yeah. and there's there's material out there. But anyway. Um, <laughs> someone do that. Someone do that. Uh, but I think that it's relevant today. I guess mm-hmm. is my point because yes, we, we do still absolutely. do these things. So. Absolutely. Well, you, there's so many different broader points to go to, but we should probably talk about the college. Cause now I'm going to be like, let's talk about sexism in our history, but that's a different conversation. That's a different, different conversation. Day. We uh, can do that. We'll Skype yeah. that one. We have, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have one minute and 30 seconds before we need to restart the camera. Um, okay. but yeah, let's look at some collars. Yeah. So we're going to take co- a quick I've break. got collars, here. I've got a dress mm-hmm. and I've got some costume designs too. So we can talk yes. about those as we go. So around. what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to pick this back up because we got to move some stuff around here with the, with the microphone and, uh, we'll do this with video and with podcasts and we'll see you all in a second. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fashion History with American Duchess. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you didn't know already, we're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, All American Duchess. Our blog is blog.americanduchess.com, and our website is www.americanduchess.com. You'll find links to all of these in the description below, including links to our guests' website and social media. Until next time! Yes, perfect time!